greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. Now, what are companion videos? I'm glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take live questions from the audience. But sometimes we don't have enough time to get through all the questions that get sent in. But I want to make sure those questions get answered properly in a video so we gather up those unused questions and we address them here on companion videos. So let's not waste any time and start getting caught up, shall we? We're going to get things kicked off here with a silly goose who writes... My favorite Black Panther moment in Civil War, he spent a lot of time of the film trying to kill the man who killed his father. When he catches the guy trying to kill himself, he stops him and says, the living are not done with you yet. Powerful, in my opinion. Absolutely agree. It was a really touching and moving moment because, you know, T'Challa had seen what happens when you get obsessed with revenge in this movie when you get obsessed with a grudge and he saw that playing out around him and he saw it affecting himself. And then it leads up to that moment with Zemo when he says the living are not done with you yet. It's a little bit contradicted then when you get into black Panther and he's just out to kill uh, Andy Serkis. Like he just flat out wants to kill Andy Serkis, but still I agree with you. It's a really, really good moment. One of the highlight moments in the movie for me, actually. All right. Edward Wells writes, Forgotten superhero movie, Dark Man. I love Dark Man. Uh, 1990, Liam Neeson starring, Sam Raimi directed, Danny Elfman, Batman-inspired music score, Guilty Pleasure I view every few years. And it spurred a couple of sequels. Uh, it spurred a couple sequels. Liam Neeson didn't come back for the sequel. They switched actors after that. But the whole idea was pretty cool. He's like totally disfigured, but it also killed all of his pain receptors so he doesn't feel pain and all that kind of stuff. I agree. Dark Man, look, it's not a top 10 or even top 20 great like superhero movie of all time, but it is one of those forgotten, really fun ones. And uh, I look back on that one fondly. I'm glad you brought that one up, Edward. All right, next up, Tom Weyenberg writes, cinemas are open in the Netherlands now. I heard about that. Uh, so I went to see Inception over the weekend. Nice. Batman begins today. Nice. Tomorrow, the Dark Knight and then rises on Wednesday. Love going to the theater again, even though there's almost no one there. Well, I mean, that's part of the reason why I've been saying for a while, Tom, that theaters need to open before the new movies come out, because a lot of people aren't even going to be aware that the theaters are open, right? And let's face it, the theaters are never going to pack out as long as it's older movies playing. But a part of the reason why you get the theater doors open again, where they can do it, because certain places have dealt with the pandemic problem and other places have not. So in the places that have properly dealt with the pandemic problem, yeah, open up those theaters again, get people back into the habit of going to the theaters. And hey, the, the, uh, the icing on the cake is that people like you and me, or at least you, get to go back to the theaters and see on the big screen again a couple of great movies that you maybe never would get another chance to see properly on a big screen like that again. So that's pretty good. I'm a little bit, I'm not going to lie, Tom, I'm a little bit jealous. A little bit jealous, maybe. All right, next up, John McKinney writes, one of three. The more I think about it, uh, I think making straw man arguments on why someone has a different opinion on, on a movie is more toxic than outright shaming. When somebody says you have a have bad taste in movies or your opinion sucks, I just block them. Uh, examples of straw man arguments. Liking an older movie better than a current movie, you're just blinded by nostalgia. Not liking a certain action movie, 
you're biased against action movies. Not liking a certain drama movie, you're biased against drama movies. Not liking a certain take on a story, you just don't like it because it's different. None of those are true. I just didn't like it because of X, Y, and Z. It's that simple. Well, listen, John, you, you bring up a point that I have been making for years about something that we as film fans, and I include myself in this, I, I include all of us, all of us in this, because we all get caught up in this once in a while. There's something that we as film fans do that is completely counterproductive. Uh, it's not constructive and it just kind of hurts the fan community we're in when we're doing it. And that's making excuses, making up reasons for why somebody else doesn't have the same opinion on a movie as you or I do. And you just listed a couple of them. Well, you just, you just don't like it because you're biased against whoever somebody's involved. No. I just watched the movie and I didn't like it. Oh, you just didn't like it because you didn't get it. No, I, I got it. It just didn't work for me. Oh, oh you only like that movie because you, you have a bias for this guy. No, I just watched the movie and I enjoyed it. But it's something we all give into, right? It's something we all give into. And it's something that I, even I catch myself doing it sometimes. Well, you know, some people just didn't like that movie because of this. I mean, and sometimes there's truth to that. For example, when I talk about Man of Steel, most underrated superhero film of all time, when I talk about Man of Steel, I will point out that there are some people out there who simply did not like it because it wasn't the 1970s Superman of gosh golly, ma'am, I'll get that kitten out of your tree. But I only say that because there are a lot of people who have explicitly written that. Right. There's a lot of people who have explicitly written a lot of my colleagues as well, like professional film critics who have written, you know, this wasn't my Superman. I mean, the Superman that the my Superman is the Superman, like the Christopher Reeve Superman, blah, blah, blah. So when I say, you know, some people, some just didn't like it because it wasn't that old Superman. It was a new vision of Superman. I'm not trying to put excuses in other people's mouths. I'm literally just saying that's exactly what they've said. Or sometimes, you know, there are some people who just don't like Star Wars, new stars, because there's a black lead in it. I'm not making up excuses. I've, you've literally, you have all literally read Place on the Internet where they explicitly say that, you know? Uh, and so, but, but again, you got to make sure that you're confining those to the limitations. If somebody tells me they don't like Superman, I'm not going to say, well, it's just because it's not Christopher Reeve Superman, unless they themselves say that. If somebody says they don't like the new Star Wars movies, you don't jump up and say, well, then you just must not like it because black people are... Well, no, they probably just didn't like it because they didn't like it. It is one of the things we get caught up in. And uh, you're right. It's frustrating. And it might be even a little bit more toxic because it doesn't look like it's toxic. But again, we do always have to try to catch ourselves, myself included, when we find ourselves making excuses why somebody else liked it. Listen, I thought The Last of Us 2 is the most masterful piece of storytelling any video game has ever produced, ever. Period. and stop. But not everybody agrees with that. There are some people who straight up didn't like the game, and I respect that. There's no point in making up excuses for why other people think the way they think. So I, I'm with you on that, John. Anyway, next up. Ladies love Cobra Commander. I love that name, right? Hey, John, I sent a question the other day 
about my son and his enthusiasm about directing. It was about staging and blocking. I remember that. And I said, I'm the wrong guy to ask. Cause you know, I'm not like full-time pro director or anything like that. Um, I remember that question. We found some good stuff on YouTube. I remember, cause I remember pointing out, listen, there are some great videos on YouTube about uh, blocking and staging and all that kind of stuff. So I'm glad you took my advice on that. Uh, stream elements left it anonymous for some reason. Anyway, just showing some support. Cheers. Well, thank you so much. And again, listen, dude, uh, good on you for being a parent and encouraging the creative development in your kid. I think that's wonderful. And the fact that you're not just saying, yeah, go ahead and do that, but you actually are actively supporting them like that and helping them find, asking questions, me questions, even though I wasn't very helpful or helping them find stuff on YouTube or whatever. Good on you, man. I, I think that's awesome. Well done, sir. All right. Next up, Julius A. Goodwin writes, I'm off from work this week. Well, that's good. Uh, so this is the first time I've had to check back. So uh, just wanted to see how you're feeling as far as getting enough of a break, recharge, et cetera. Well, thank you so much, Julius. So for those of you who maybe only pop in from time to time, I literally just today uh, on Monday, July 13th, restarted the John Campia show after a three week hiatus. I announced I was taking a few weeks off from the John Campia show. It's a very time intensive show for preparing and getting ready and doing and all that kind of stuff. And uh, today was the first day back and I used a lot, of, some of it to relax, a lot of it just to work on some other projects that I've been falling behind on, particularly one in particular is my documentary that I've been working on. I uh, got to spend a little bit more time with Anne. Not getting up at five in the morning has been awesome. I've really enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, I've really enjoyed the break and I got a lot done on my documentary. We're making really good progress now. So thank you very much, Julius. It was good. And thank you for asking, man. All right, next up, uh, Luis Rosario writes, sends in a $50 tip. Thank you so much for supporting the channel on that level, man. I really appreciate that. And if there is a question in here, we will segment it out and put it up as its own video in the next couple of weeks. Keep your eyes open for that. All right. Hi, John. Can you believe 20 years ago this week, X-Men came out? We were talking about that earlier on the show today. Um, starting a golden age of comic book films. I love seeing my favorite childhood heroes come alive, and I appreciate it more with time. What are your reflections of seeing it and how influential it remains? Well, I mean, one of the things, Luis, about its influence is that the only reason we are in the comic book movie dominant age that we are in now is because of that first X-Men film. Uh, the producer of The Dark Knight put it best. I'm trying to, I keep forgetting the producer of The Dark Knight's name. But anyway, he put it best one time when he said it was watching that movie that first X-Men movie, that it sent a ripple effect and a shockwave through Hollywood executives going, oh my God, you can make a comic book movie like this? You can take these popular pop cultural IPs, but actually apply great rules of filmmaking of great narrative and characters and plot. And you can apply those and have a marriage of those two things and make it work. You can do that. And I remember there have been a number of Hollywood executives and producers who have said, who've pointed to the launch of X-Men and said, that's the moment we in Hollywood realized, oh my God, this can really work. And as far as, and so you cannot overplay the importance of that first X-Men film. You like Batman versus Superman? Well, you better thank, you know, Fox in making that first X-Men film. You like, you know, Captain America Winter Soldier, you better thank Fox for making that X-Men film. 
as far as my own reflections back to the first time I saw it, I will never forget because I said this on the show earlier today, but when that first scene starts, young Eric in a concentration camp, think about that. If you had told people three or four years before that X-Men movie came out, we're going to do a comic book movie on X-Men. Oh, how's it going to start with a big explosion battle? No, it's going to start with a kid during World War II in a concentration camp being forcefully separated from his family by Nazi soldiers and their family probably being sent off to the gas chambers. You, you can't start a comic book movie like that. Are you kidding? You cannot start a comic book movie like that. Want to bet? Watch. And I'll never forget watching that movie for the first time and just being like, did they just do that? And I, I don't know the name of the kid who played the young Eric, but he's screaming and reaching out for his family and the metal starts to bend and like, oh my God. And you're like, I'm just getting chills and the hair on my arm is starting to stand up. Just thinking about it. It was unbelievable. I still say to this day, that opening scene of the first X-Men film is the greatest opening scene of any comic book or superhero movie ever. X-Men 2 with Nightcrawler attacking the White House is in the conversation as well. But that first X-Men movie, man, that that opening is just staggering. And it is, it is really odd when you think that it's been 20 years, 20 years since that time. But we owe it a deep debt of thanks to Fox and that movie for making the golden age of comic book movies that we have today possible. So anyway, thanks for bringing that up, Luis. Appreciate it, man. All right. The Sock writes... I feel like there's a lot of potential for a Leica properties to be made into attractions at Universal or Disney. Mm, I disagree. I'll tell you why in a second. But now that I say that, I have a tough time trying to figure out where and how to fit them in. See, it's the where's and how to fit them in and would they in and of themselves make kind of interesting um, attractions at theme parks isn't really the problem. The problem is they're simply not popular enough properties. You know, a lot of kids haven't watched any, like as good as a, as, as a lot of them are, a lot of the kids haven't watched any of them and you can make them attractions, but if they're not big, popular, famous names, and you almost got to start there if you're making a great attraction at a theme park, you know, it's one of the reasons why they renamed the, the Hollywood tower of terror to the guardians of the galaxy ride at Disney. I mean, it, there's just something to that. And so only on that basis, Sock, and only on that basis would I say that I'm not quite sure any of them would make great attractions. Even if in and of themselves, the attractions would be interesting because of the properties they're based on. I just don't think you can do it because they're not popular enough IPs. At least, I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I'm dead wrong about that. But that's my initial thought. Thanks for writing that in, man. All right. The Nerd Gen sends in a $50 tip. Thank you so much, Nerd Gen, for the support and supporting the channel on that level, man. If there is a question in here, we will segment it out as its own standalone video in the next few weeks. Keep your eyes open. Um, hey, John, again, love the show. Thank you so much, Nerd Gen. I appreciate it, man. Do you think with Marvel and DC doing their own virtual cons, uh, San Diego Comic-Con may not be a big yearly event as it has in the past? And crypto payment options, thank you. No, I don't think that's a problem at all. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's going to be nice. It's going to be fun. But here's the thing. People don't go to Comic-Con to see the new trailer. That's not why they go. You can see the trailer on your phone or on your TV two minutes after it drops at Comic-Con 
every normal year. That's not why people go. Like 200,000 people go to Comic-Con. Only 6,000 of them can fit in Hall H. Which means when the big Marvel panel happens, or when the big DC panel happens, or the big Mission Impossible panel happens, only at maximum 3% of the people who are actually at Comic-Con can actually be in the room anyway to see the panel. And then they can watch it later. They can watch it later. And like Trey stuff, people go to these conventions to be at these conventions. Like I go to Comic-Con every year. I think there was like one year in the last 11 or 12 years that I didn't go. And honestly, because it was like one year, I just felt like I needed a break. But other than one year, about six or seven years ago, I go every single year. Ask me how much time in those four days I actually spend in the convention center. Maybe a grand total of three, four, maybe five hours total over four or five days. I go there to be at the con, to be surrounded by tens, if not hundreds of thousands of fellow fans where everybody is dressing up and having a good time. And a lot of them have been saving all year to be there and everybody's smiling and everybody's happy, even if you're hot or even if it's raining, whatever. And I've always said about going to these cons, there's something good for the soul. Like when you're at San Diego comic-con, there's something good for the soul about walking through the streets, even when it's crowded and every round, everyone around you is happy and celebrating. And you see people dressing up in your, as your favorite characters, or maybe some characters you've never heard of or seen before and all that kind of stuff and going to the restaurants and eating together and getting on that floor for a couple hours and see all the great stuff to physically tangibly be there. It's not just about watching a trailer drop. You can do that at home. I mean, it's nice. It's a nice little bonus for the 3% of the people who can actually be in Hall H. But no, no. This is what DC and, and, and San Diego Comic-Con are doing this year with the virtual cons. This is a good idea given the current circumstances. But no, these won't replace the real thing. Because the real thing builds way more buzz. The real thing generates way more excitement. The real thing is just better. Because all this stuff we're going to get from these virtual cons, we get already. We, we get all the stuff comes out on video and on the internet at some point. It's, it all comes, whether it's two minutes later, two hours later, two days later, it all comes out. And this is going to be cool what they're doing. And I appreciate what, what these guys are doing right now, given the current circumstances. But bottom line is it doesn't replace the actual real event. So no, I don't think uh, these things are going to replace these things at all. At all. Uh, I mean, could I see, you know, DC doing its own virtual thing every year? Sure. But Comic-Con will still be more popular. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't really see it uh, affecting it too much, but that's just my take on it. Ask me again in two years. Maybe I'll have a different take on it then. But for now, that's my thoughts on it. Anyway, thanks a lot for writing that in, Nerdgen. I appreciate that, man. All right. Hitchcock is the goat, writes. One of two. 
I created a playlist of Enino Morricone and will listen to that exclusively on shuffle for the rest of July. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, Once Upon a Time in the West, Untouchables, The Hateful Eight, and Four Tracks from Inglorious Bastards. He's my third favorite all-time film composer behind Hans Zimmer at number two and John Williams, the greatest of all time. Bernard Herrmann is a close behind that in the fourth spot. Have a great John, great day, John, and it's good to see the main show back. Well, thank you so much for that. Hitchcock is the ghost. And of course, you know, about a week ago, uh, we lost Morricone, one of the most celebrated all-time composers ever, coming out of that age, and it's it still surprises a lot of people to find out he didn't actually win his first Academy Award until The Hateful Eight. Not even all that great of a movie by by Quentin Tarantino standards. Not even all that great of a movie, but the soundtrack was so good. And in 2000, I believe it was 2016, he won his first Academy Award. And by the way, he didn't stop there. He worked, I think he worked on like three or four different projects in 2020 alone. He never stopped. He loved the craft. He loved the art and kept working well into his 90s. Until obviously he couldn't do it anymore. And uh, yeah, it is one of the great losses. That sounds like a great thing to do, Hitchcock. Well said, sir. All right. Minnesota hockey fan writes. I hope you enjoyed your break. I did enjoy my break. Thank you. Favorite movie of each decade. Ooh, that's a nice one. Number 10, The Italian. Number uh, uh, number or 1920s, uh, Metropolis. The 1930s, M. 1940s, Casablanca. 1950s, North by Northwest. 1960s, Lawrence of Arabia. In my top 10 of all time right there. Uh, in the 1970s, Star Wars. 1980s, the, uh, really? The Elephant Man. Nice. 90s, Titanic. The 2000s, Memento. A Fab oh, you got back-to-back -back Christopher Nolan films. Memento and the 2010's Inception. That's nice. It's nice to see you got Christopher Nolan up there a couple of times. It's funny because with the popularity of The Dark Knight, which is one of the greatest comic book movies of all time, to some people, the maybe the greatest comic book film of all time, a lot of people forget the pre-Dark Knight Christopher Nolan movies. And the two that I often think about outside of his big blockbusters is one is Memento. That's really the one that put him on the map for a lot of people. I mean, he didn't make him a household name. Memento didn't make him a household name, but it put him on the map for a lot of people. Because I still remember when they announced Batman Begins, it's like, it's the guy who directed Memento. What? I mean, it was exciting. That's the name that, that made him recognize. But my favorite Christopher Nolan film is actually... Uh, insomnia. So I, I really go to a lot of the, those smaller, not as big blockbuster films of his, like Memento, Insomnia, all that kind of stuff. Those, those are a couple of my favorites of his. So I'm glad you mentioned the Minnesota hockey fan. Thanks for sharing, man. That was a really unique list. I like that. Uh, Dead Pillow writes, I've been a subscriber for two years. Thank you so much, man. And I'm now feeling comfortable sharing my top 10. Number 10, Snatch. I love that movie. It's in my top 20. Guy Ritchie, at his best, I it's my favorite Guy Ritchie film. The cast, the 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 pacing, everything. Ah, I love that movie, dude. Anyway, number nine, The Hunted. Number eight, Memento. Speaking of Memento, number seven, Prisoners. You got a little bit of uh, Denis Villeneuve in there. Of course, he's got Dune coming out. Uh, number six, The Secret Limited. Uh, the Sunset Limited, I mean. Number five, I Melt With You. Number four, Manchester by the Sea. Number three, Drive. A little bit of uh, Ryan Gosling in there. Number two, Goodwill Hunting. And number one, The Place. Another more Ryan Gosling. A Place, The Place Beyond the Pines. You know, it's funny. It comes, I know, I have some friends who like 
lose their minds over a place beyond the pines. And while I like the film, I, I personally don't kind of get the obsession that some people, including some of my friends absolutely have with it, including you dead pillow. I mean, you clearly have a, have a deep, deep appreciation. You got listed as your number one film. Again, just another example of how film strikes us all differently. I've never really seen it. It's never had that big of a place for me, but you are not alone, man. Like I said, I've got some good friends who absolutely adore that movie. So that's a really interesting list. Well done, sir. And thank you for sharing your top 10, my friend. All right, next up, uh, Alan writes, Hey, John, glad the show was back and hope you enjoyed your time off. Thank you so much, Alan. It's good to be back. Do you think we could get an appearance or a cameo by the Red Hulk in MCU Phase 4? Seems likely they're setting up Thunderbolts with intros of Ghost, Zemo, Ross, Abomination, uh, Black Manta. Honestly, no. I, I think the chances of Red Hulk appearing are rather low. The main reason I think that is because I don't know how good the chances are that Hulk appears at all again. Mark Ruffalo, we talked about this a couple of months ago. Mark Ruffalo made some comments about how there was some discussion about maybe him popping up in the She-Hulk show. But he said, I don't even know where that's at right now. But he said, beyond that, there's literally no one's talked to me about anything regarding Hulk moving forward. Nothing. As far as Mark Ruffalo knows, the Hulk's done in the MCU. So putting the issue of Red Hulk or Gray Hulk, you know, Mr. Fix-It or, you know, Green Hulk, putting all that aside, just the bottom line is I just don't know that right now the MCU has any plans for Hulk. And I think a part of that has to do with the constant battle they've been having with Universal, that Universal owns the distribution rights. I think that has frustrated Marvel uh, and Disney and I just think they've decided to move on from Hulk. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that we do see Mark Ruffalo pop up and Hulk pop up in She-Hulk, even if it's just a cameo. And that we will see more of Hulk in the movies moving forward. But right now, I'd say the chances are pretty low. The chances right now seem pretty low indeed. So we'll see what happens and how things evolve, Alan. All right, thanks for writing that in. Ryan Lohner writes, Remember when we were all saying Fast and Furious 9 was taking things too far by moving all the way to 2021? Turns out they were just leaving early to avoid the rush. Yeah, I mean, I still think there was no need to move Fast 9 all the way into 2021. As it turns out, it may work out for them because it may work out that they would have had to push to 2021 anyway. But that's all in hindsight. At the time, I still don't think it was the right decision to do it. It may work out. But sometimes the right decisions don't work out. And sometimes making the wrong decisions, you fall ass backwards into luck. I still believe moving Fast 9 into 2021 all that far wasn't the right decision at the time. But it may end up working out for them with all these delays. We'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks, Ryan. Uh, but well pointed out. All right, Simon Blakemore writes. Hi, John. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Fellow Man of Steel fan here. I love the film. But one thing that puzzles me in the film is when is when says release the world engine. Let me try this again. I love the film, but one thing that puzzles me in the film is when says release the world engine. It always puzzle me that Zod want to telephone the earth. Will you have the same powers as Superman? What you think? 
I'm going to be honest with you, Simon. I'm struggling to understand what it is you're asking. Uh, it puzzles me in the film when says release the world engine. It always puzzle me that Zod want to telephone the earth. Will you have the same power as the Superman? What you think? I'm, I apologize, dude. I'm not really sure what is, if what you're asking is why did Zod send a message to earth? You know, that you are not alone message. Why did he send that? Well, if that's what you're asking, I think it's pretty clear that he just wanted humanity to give him up or for just Cal to give himself up. And if Cal wouldn't give himself up, gets one of the human beings to give him up. Easy breezy, all done. Right. I think that was his kind of main motivation at the time. Um, so I, I never really had a problem with that. I thought that made total sense. Here's the one thing I don't get. When they sent the, the you are not alone message, why have the video all scrambled so you, could, you couldn't really make out his face? What was the point of that? That's the only thing that I never really understood. I adore this movie, but I've never understood why send a transmission like that. Where you barely see just the outline, oh, the broken video, ooh, the mystery. Like, what? Does, like, did Zod and the Kryptonians have, like, After Effects you know, you know, Adobe After Effects templates built in there and add some motion. I don't know. It was kind of weird to me. All right. Thanks, Simon. Uh, Couch Talk writes, with Darkseid showing up in Snyder Cut, it was only supposed to be a tease until Justice League 2. Yes. Uh, so will we ever get to see them fight? Or will we forever just be left on a cliffhanger wanting more? Seems pointless to introduce them and never get closure. Well, I mean, here you got to keep in mind, Couch, that... It doesn't matter what your plans are. Like we were talking about that dragon movie, Aragon, right? There was a popular book series. They made the first movie. Their plan was to make a trilogy. But as Mike Tyson always says, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Aragon got punched in the mouth with really low critic ratings, really low box office. It was a flop. So yeah, they set up a lot of stuff for a sequel, but you couldn't do it. Plans change. You don't go ahead and do a movie just because, well, we did plant this one thing, so we've got to do the follow-up now. No, you don't. That's that's how you go out of business. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do here. I think, first of all, there are some people who seem to have this really weird theory that the Snyder Cut of Justice League that we're going to get on HBO in, in 2021 is going to replace Steppenwolf with Darkseid as the main villain. Like, we're going to see Darkseid and all this stuff. Darkseid is barely going to be in the movie because that was Zack Snyder's original vision. His original vision for that movie was that we only get a little glimpse of Darkseid to tease him for the next movie. Will Warner Brothers, with all the changes of plans that they've been having, will they ultimately do a Justice League 2 with Darkseid? It depends on how you want your answer. Will we see Darkseid as the bad guy in a Justice League movie that is a direct sequel to the first Justice League movie? I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a 40 to 50% chance. Will we ever get a Darkseid, a Darkseid, in a Justice League movie, whether it's a direct sequel to that first Justice League movie or just kind of a retooled, re-envisioned Justice League, whatever? Absolutely 100%. We are going to get another Justice League movie at some point. And at some point, they're going to have Darkseid. You, you eventually, you got to have Darkseid. But will it be a continuation, a direct continuation 
of the Justice League they've done. I've seen nothing from Warner Brothers that says yes. I've seen nothing from Warner Brothers that says they're getting back on that direction. But it doesn't mean it's not possible. So I would put a direct sequel, 40 to 50% that ever happens. But eventually a Justice League movie in some form that has Darkseid in it, 100%. I don't know if it's going to be in two years, three years, four years, or five years, but absolutely 100%. That'll happen in some way, shape, or form. All right, next up, Jay Vett writes, not sure if you went back and finished The Legend of Korra, but if you didn't in season one, it had one of the least favorite movie plot points. You guessed it. A guy set up a meeting by handing Team Avatar a note to meet at a destination, except plot twist. He showed up and survived, which meant you guessed it. He sent them into a trap. I'm going to use this plot superpower on dates going forward if the person dies it was real and if the person lives it's a setup gotta win brownie uh uh filthy points with the ladies i mean i i did not get around to finishing off cora now for those of you who don't know what javer is or j vet or javer whichever one you prefer um is talking about i recently because i never watched avatar the last airbender the animated series before so recently I decided, you know what? Everybody keeps talking about it. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to plow through it. And I went through all three seasons and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. So I immediately started watching Legend of Korra. Only got about three or four episodes in and tapped out. And then I said, nah, this one's just not working for me as well. So I kind of tapped out on it. But yeah, those meet me at death peak, Jay cliches in these shows and movies always drive me nuts. And if I ever did get around to it, it probably would have absolutely driven me nuts. Thanks for sharing, man. All right. Michael writes, Hey there, Earth One John. So I don't know if he's a reliable source because it's someone in a group chat, but he said he talked to insiders and Tenant won't uh, open on August 12th. At this point, they just need to open and take all the safety measures needed. Well, it's, it's not, and, and your friend didn't talk to insiders. It's been up online for a couple of days that there are industry people saying that they have doubts right now that Tenet is going to open up. We talked about it on the John Campus show earlier today that a guy from one of the big uh, industry companies uh, was saying that they have legitimate doubts that it's going to be able to open on August 12th. And, and listen, today, uh, the governor of California reissued the order that any movie theaters were open, got to be closed down. Gyms were open again, but gyms got to be closed down again. Um, so it does raise a lot of doubts about whether or not August 12th is going to happen. Right now, AMC theaters, Regal, and all of them are saying they're going to open up on July 30th, July 31st, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, that's a little over two weeks away. Are we, are they going to be allowed to open again then? So I don't know. So um, your person in the chat board who claims to have inside sources was just reading variety. <laughs> so I'll just let you know that they were just reading variety. Um, at any rate. So, yeah, I mean, who knows, who knows what happened? Look, you guys know my opinion on this. I believe that if you take the proper safety precautions and people don't act like morons, then I believe you can open facilities and with relative safety and with minimized risk, not eliminated risk. There's no way to eliminate risk, but minimize risk. I believe there are ways to properly do that. Um, so, but I will never fault somebody in the government for erring on the side of protecting their people. I may agree or disagree, but I will never hold it against them, nor will I ever fault a government you know, person 
who is erring on the side of protecting their people. And, you know, if the governor of California and other governors, because right, we're seeing massive spikes, particularly in Florida, Texas, um, uh, at uh, uh, Georgia, California, you know, it, you know, the governor decides the thing to do. So that's what they're going to do. So but, you know, me in general, I think with proper safety precautions, make everybody sanitize their hands when they come in. Everybody's got to be wearing a mask, social distancing, make sure there are staggered play times, blah, 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 have the air constantly circulating. I believe you minimize the risk. But I'm also okay if they decide to put safety first. So we'll see what happens. All right, next up. Andrew B. writes, Happy birthday to Sir Patrick Stewart, who turns 80 years old. Harrison Ford is also his birthday. I cash Ken Jeong. I didn't realize it was his birthday, too. I have quite a good group to celebrate my birthday. Oh, Andrew, it's your birthday as well. Happy birthday, my friend. May you have a glorious day and a great year ahead of you, my friend. Uh, also, Great to see you back during your show. I started watching you back in your AMC days. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you so much for that, man. I totally appreciate that. And again, happy birthday to you, my friend. May you have a good one. And uh, that's pretty cool. You get to share a birthday with Patrick Stewart and Harrison Ford all at the same time. And Ken Jeong. Let's put him in there, too. All right. Thanks for that, Andrew. Sam Fisher writes, what I found interesting about the Lucifer trailer, because for those of you who missed it earlier today, uh, Lucifer Season 5 released a, a trailer today gets me very excited, is that you can see Michael has a different posture than Lucy, almost like he was injured and his left side is paralyzed. Well, I mean, there was one shot of that. There was one shot of that. But there's also other shots of Michael walking around because Michael, this trailer reveals that the Archangel Michael and the Archangel Lucifer are actually twin brothers. So Michael's on Earth. Everybody thinks he's Lucifer and he's posing as Lucifer. When he's posing as Lucifer, he's walking as normal, right? There's only that one shot when he comes face to face with Lucifer that he's kind of standing kind of decrepitly in a way. So I don't know if that's something that's going to run through the season or if there's something specific about that shot that has him standing like that. So I'm not going to read too much into it, although I always read too much into this stuff. I'm not going to read too much into it right now, but uh, it's something that's, it is interesting, Sam, and maybe it's something we need to keep our eyes on, but I'm so excited. August cannot get here soon enough, man. I'm so excited for Lucifer to return. All right. Jonathan Vigoa writes, Margaret Thatcher naked on a cold. Oh, that's Austin Powers. Margaret Thatcher naked on a cold day. Margaret Thatcher naked on a cold day. Um, baseball, baseball, cold showers. Um, what else did he say in that line when he's trying not to become sexually aroused? I think he was being with us when he was getting uh, swamped by the fembots. What I would give to have Mike Myers, good Canadian kid, by the way, to have Mike Myers come out and announce that he's doing another Austin Powers. And you even call it Austin Powers, the finale or something. God, I would love another Austin Powers movie. That would be so good. All right. An anonymous viewer writes in. What enhancements did you like in the original Star Wars trilogy? For me, oh, you mean the special editions? Uh, for me, I like the celebration after the second Death Star blew up and the Cloud City background. Um, there are a couple of things. Yeah, like I'm not a fan of the special editions. I mean, I'll watch them, but <clears throat> they're amongst all the garbage in the special editions, the Jedi Rock song, uh, the Jabba stuff. There's a bunch of garbage, but there are a couple. There are a couple of really cool things. Number one is the Death Star explosion. I mean, the death, the original Death Star explosion really does look like a prop that they just had blow up with spark with a spark bomb. Psh! The Death Star explosion in the special edition, I think, looks better. 
So I'll give it that. The other big one is exactly what we're saying, Cloud City. In Empire Strikes Back, the special edition, as they're flying through Cloud City, it gives you a better scope of the city, right? They're not just good, better visuals for the sake of having them. It actually gives you a broader appreciation for Cloud City over Bespin. And on that level, I thought that was pretty good. There's also some little technical things they cleaned up, like in the Hoth battle scenes because of the film overlays you could actually some pieces of metal were transparent and weren't supposed to be they cleaned that up in the special edition but yeah man i, I mean and, and i'll say the way at the end of jedi when they do go around the galaxy showing you know the aftermath of the fall of the empire was great the only thing that makes me hate that scene though was they took out the classic yub nub song which was perfect for the end, and they put in that pan flute song, doo, 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 that stupid pan flute song that sucks. Anyway, uh, so it kind of makes me hate it a little bit, but yes, the notion that they go around the galaxy and you see a, a, a galaxy in celebration over the fall of the Empire, that was also a pretty good thing. So overall, I, I'm not a fan of the special editions, but they do have some things worth appreciating. All right. <clears throat> Another anonymous viewer writes in, just announced today, Canada is reopening movie theaters this Friday. I hope all goes well for us. Can't wait. Yeah, of course, you know, in California, they just reannounced that theaters got to stay shut down. But in Canada, where they've taken care of the pandemic problem properly, <gasps> yeah, theaters are reopening. In the Netherlands, they're reopening. There are places around the world. Look, everybody, you can actually handle the pandemic properly and do the right things. Oh, look, you get to reopen stuff. Anyway, ah. Uh, but it's Canada. I'm a Canada homer. So yeah, I admit that. All right. Uh, Geekpool writes, and this is the final question, guy. This is the final question that came in before the show this morning ended up. Uh, the next question after Geekpool from Anonymous is actually sent in after today's show. So those will be the first questions that get answered on tomorrow's show. So Geekpool writes, uh, greetings from Canada. Love the show. What enhance what enhancements do you like George Lucas did the original trilogy for me with Celebration? Okay, so Geekpool is anonymous, clearly, and you accidentally sent it in twice. So we already answered that question. Yeah, again, there are again, even though I don't like it overall, there are definitely elements to appreciate uh, in those special edition cuts. There are definitely elements worth appreciating. So anyway, thanks for sending that in, Geekpool, and, and thanks for making sure it got through by sending it twice. All right, guys, that will do it. For this installment of companion videos, we are now all caught up. Don't forget, guys, if you guys want to have a question or comment read during the live questions part of the show, you can also even now send them in now and they'll be queued up ready for tomorrow's show. Just use the tip link that's in the description of this video. If you look at the top of the description of this video, you'll see a tip link. Just click on that or you can enter it manually streamelements.com slash movie blog TV slash tip. You can send that in during the show or you can send it in 24 seven and it will be answered in the next live show that we do. And thank you guys to all of you who did send in those questions we just did because number one, you gave us great fun things to talk about, but number two, you supported this channel while you did it. And all of us here, thank you very, very much for that. Don't forget guys, come back for the John Campy show next episode tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Pacific standard time as it is Monday through Friday. We'll look forward to seeing you then. That'll do it for me for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.